Hi, fantasy readers. This is Corinne Norton, your fellow book binger, and you are listening to the Finding Fantasy Reads podcast, where you can test out a new fantasy story every single week to find your next favorite author. Today's story is full of dragon riders, arranged marriages, and feisty protagonists. Hero of Wyverns is written by USA Today bestselling author Alice Evinia, who hopes to change the world for better one word at a time. When she's not off gallivanting in other worlds, she loves walking the dog and spending time with her church family. She lives in Bristol, England, which means she's going to be gravely disappointed in my decidedly unsophisticated pronunciation of all her beautiful words. Stick around in the end or check out today's show notes to see where you can find more from Alice, as well as how to enter our giveaway. For now, please enjoy Hero of the Wyverns by Alice Avinia. Serena brushed my hair as she hummed a sickly sweet tune that set my teeth on edge. I scowled at her in the mirror. If you brush any longer, I won't have any hair left. My sister only smiled as she set down the hairbrush, rubbed cream into my brown hair, and plaited it for bed. It's all right, Teresa. It's very normal to be nervous the night before your wedding. I'm not nervous. I was furious. I was nervous too, but marriage is a wonderful gift. I rolled my eyes. Serena lowered her hand to her swollen belly. She had become pregnant within two months of marriage. Of course she had. Everything about her was perfect, from her golden curls, her pale oval face, and her melodic voice that silenced a room. Now her belly was perfectly rounded, her cheeks perfectly flushed, and she was sure to give birth to a perfect little baby. Her husband adored her, as did the whole duchy they ruled. My scowl deepened. That's easy for you to say. Everyone loves you. Worry flashed across Serena's face as she rested her hands on my shoulders. You will both find a way. Just don't scare him off on his wedding day. It would help if you smiled. I forced a smile that looked more like a grimace, and Serena sighed. Come on, Teresa, think about it. Your own home, your own household, your own horses. They even have wyverns though I've heard they're temperamental and shouldn't be touched by inexperienced hands. You might be very happy there. Emphasis on the might. He didn't even turn up for dinner today. A stomach ache. He sounds pathetic. Teresa. I sighed and threw up my hands. Well, who gives up their one chance to see their betrothed before the wedding day? Serena bit her lip as her eyes wandered like they always did when she was searching for something to say. You've seen his portrait. He looked quite nice, if you ask me. I turned in my chair to stare at her. His portrait? Serena held her hand to her forehead, as if I were giving her a headache. Just promise me you will at least try tomorrow. You know why mother and father arranged this wedding. Just look at how much happiness John and my marriage gave the people. You could bring them the same. I thought I might be sick. I looked away. I feel ill. I'm going to bed early. My sister hesitated. Oh, if you're sure. Would you like me to bring you a tonic? I shook my head. I just need some quiet. As she closed the door, I leapt to my feet and locked it behind her. There was no way in a hundred years I was marrying that man, that boy, tomorrow. He hadn't even been brave enough to see me at dinner. Coward. His mother had been too frail to travel his father wishing to remain at her side, and his retinue had been stuck up and formal. 
They were from Vivin, full of strange customs and overly complicated clothes, and they probably ate strange food, too. Absolutely not happening. Lord Finnick could find himself a different wife, one like Serena, who would smile and charm and be an asset to his estate. But me? I was going to be an adventuring bard who never stopped traveling and always had a new story to tell. Never to be trapped. Never to be bossed around or compared with Serena. I pulled my backpack from under the bed and checked through it one last time. Clothes, food, a knife, a hat with a feather, a few coins. It was all perfect. I dressed into the trousers and long man's tunic I had hidden in the bottom of my closet and swirled my black sneaking cloak around before fastening it at my neck. My barred cloak was bright blue and covered in embroidery, so I needed two. I suspected I was going to be doing a lot of sneaking. I strung my loot case across my back and pulled the hood down low. My heart rattled around in my chest, and excitement ran thick through my veins. This was finally happening. I locked my door and climbed out of the window. This wasn't the first time I had left my room unconventionally, but my heart still rose to my throat as I edged my toes down to the stone gutter while I clung to the window frame. It was a long drop, and I had already broken my arm once on this wall. The wind caught my cloak and tugged it out from my body until it became a sail trying to tug me free. My grip slipped, and I stifled a scream. My nails tore as I scrabbled for better purchase. I steadied myself, but my cloak was still pulling me backwards. There was nothing for it. I unfastened the double row of four buttons below my neck and let my cloak blow to the dark gardens below. I would find it when I was down and safe. I edged along the gutter to the decorative stonework on the corner and clung to the various nooks and crannies. I looked down the adjacent stone wall and froze. A shadowy figure was climbing down the wall there, using a rope to abseil from a window. I gaped, and a sudden gust of wind almost knocked me free. Shaking myself, I continued climbing down. It was none of my business. Though I had to admit he scaled down the wall much quicker than I did. Well, he was cheating with that rope. Maybe he was a professional. Maybe he was a thief. There were a lot of dignitaries and rich guests at the house right now, visiting for the wedding tomorrow. I supposed it would be a good time to slip in under the cover of night and steal jewelry. Should I raise the alarm? No. This was my only chance to escape my fate. My parents were too set on the trade agreements to cancel the wedding, and I was not, under any circumstances, marrying that man, a stranger. If all was well, they wouldn't know I was missing until morning, when they would have to break down my bedroom door. I reached a window ledge and paused to rest. My fingers and arms were aching, but it was my heart bashing itself against my ribs that I needed relief from. I looked down. Two stories to go. My pulse refused to calm. I supposed I would need to get used to that if I was going to be an adventurer. My fingers dug into the wisteria, bleached of all color by the dim moonlight. I tested each foothold before climbing further, grateful for the strength of the trellis beneath the thick, gnarled branches. The floor wasn't too far now. I jumped. Ow! I fell over in shock as one foot hit the ground, the other landing on something soft. It moved, and my eyes met that of a man crouched at the base of the wall. I had just landed on his foot. Sorry, I mumbled. What the blazers are you doing? He hissed. His voice was muffled through a scarf over his lower face. Climbing down the wall. 
I would have thought that was obvious. I stood and dusted down my clothes. What are you? I held up a hand. Actually, I don't want to know. I won't turn you in, so you don't have to worry about me. I turned my back to him, to show I wasn't a threat, and searched for where my sneaking cloak had landed on the lawn. In the shadows, it was hard to make out. Is this what you're looking for? The man asked. I turned back to see my cloak in his hand. I snatched it back at once. Hey, that's mine. The man ground his teeth so loudly I could hear it. That's why I asked. I put my sneaking cloak back on and was pleased to see it hadn't got dirty. I smiled at the man. Good evening, sir. I broke into a jog, bent double, toward the stables. If that man was a thief, he probably just wanted me out of his hair as quickly as possible. It was unfortunate I had landed on his foot. If he tried anything, I could scream and have the house guard here in seconds. But that wasn't going to happen, because tonight was the start of my new life. I reached the wooden wall at the rear of the stables, but instead of getting Rosie, my mare, I crept to the guest barn further down. The horses could sense me through the thin wall, but other than the odd nicker of greeting, they remained calm. They saw me every day, after all. Lord Finnick and his men had arrived from Vivin, the small country that crowded around a volcano filled with wyverns and fire snakes. I heard they frequently traveled by air. If that was the case, they had brought me the perfect escape. I loved horses, lived and breathed them. But a wyvern? What could be more wonderful and freeing than flying? This was one thing I could thank Lord Finnick for. I slipped to the front of the barn, hardly daring to breathe. I heard no footsteps or voices. A bobbing light came through the slats from the horse's stables, but the barn seemed deserted. Holding my breath, I slipped inside. I blinked, waiting for my eyes to adjust to the low light. Great, dark, hulking forms clustered around the back, their heads lowered to a trough. With them crouched in the gloom, it was hard to work out exactly what I was seeing. There were three of them. I crept closer to one, keeping light on my feet and my hands outstretched as if to a wild animal. I talked in a quiet sing-song voice as I approached, so as not to startle them. They ignored me, and gradually I managed to decipher long folded wings with claws at the joint, which they rested on the floor like a bat. Two powerful legs hunched behind, and a long tail with a wicked-looking hooked spike at its tip. More spikes ran up their back, getting taller and taller, until they stopped abruptly at the creature's shoulder blades. They looked as sharp as knives. The head was long and slender, reminding me of the crocodiles in the river, though these creatures were far more beautiful. The eyes that tracked my every movement were wide and bright. If you ignored the long tail and wings, they were about the size of a large draft horse, my head level with their shoulder blades. I examined the tack hanging on the wall beside them, a strange harness and saddle, I wasn't even sure which way around it went. I chewed my lip. This was going to be more complicated than I'd expected. I patted the closest wyvern's leathery hide with tentative fingers and let out my breath when they didn't bite me. There was a metal collar around their neck which was tied to a thick rope. The rope, in turn, was looped around a tie ring on the wall. At least that meant I could get out of range if this all went wrong. I picked up the saddle and attempted to place it on the creature's back, but the spikes were in the way. I tried different angles with little success, my patience wearing thin. How could I come so far only to fail now? 
Maybe I would have to take Rosie after all. What are you doing with my wyvern? I whirled around at the voice, still clutching the saddle, to see a man frowning from the doorway, dressed all in black. His voice was that of the thief who I had jumped on moments before. He still wore a scarf over the lower part of his face, and his hood was up. I could only see dark eyes, tan skin, and a straight black fringe in the poor light. I frowned, pulling my own hood down lower, so I looked equally mysterious. Your wyvern? He's mine. He stepped forward, closing the distance in three easy strides. He was clearly comfortable around the beasts, and they with him. She most certainly belongs to me. He looked down at the saddle, and that goes underneath her belly, not on her back. I tried to swallow, but my mouth was dry. My eyes didn't leave his face. You can't be serious. You're him? He tilted his head, his eyes flickering between the wyvern and me. What are you doing? I stepped backward, my back knocking into the wall. Running away. The words were out before I could stop them. He narrowed his eyes. Who are you? He stepped closer, his height intimidating. I hated being intimidated. I pushed off the wall and gave him a look that dared him to come closer. If you're Lord Finnick, why are you here? You're meant to be in your room. His eyes moved sideways. I was just checking on Primrose. My eyebrows rose. By climbing out of the window? Wait, you called your wyvern Primrose? I snorted out a laugh. He slipped a hand behind his neck. It's none of your business. Now kindly give me the harness. I narrowed my eyes, realization hitting like a cold shock inside me. You're running away. You don't want to get married, so you're running away. He glared at me. You sound rather condescending for someone who is also running away. I choked on a laugh. And I thought you were a coward for not turning up for dinner. His mouth opened and closed. He looked me up and down. You're Lady Teresa? My laugh cut short. None of your business, I echoed. He pulled the scarf down to reveal a self-satisfied smirk that raised my hackles. You don't look like the daughter of a princess. In fact, you don't even look like a girl. I gaped at him. I am leaving right now. I turned back to the wyvern, but putting the saddle on the creature's belly seemed even more ridiculous. There was a heavy sigh behind me. Do you need help? No. I can give you a lift if you want. I gaped at him. Are you mad? The whole point of this is that I'm running away from you. Why would I want to ride with you? I'm not going to marry you. Good. Fine. There was a moment of silence before he stepped forward and teased the harness from my fingers. He started to fasten the straps around the wyvern. The part I thought was a saddle sat underneath its belly, and the straps ran up over its back with braces for your legs. He spoke as he tightened and tested the buckles. Have you ever flown before? I tossed my head. No. He looked over his shoulder and raised an eyebrow. You really have no idea what you are doing, do you? I frowned and crossed my arms. I would have you know I am an extremely gifted equestrian. He snorted. Then go and ride one of the horses and leave me and my wyvern alone. I shifted on my feet, considering. But I want to fly. He turned to me and ran a hand down his face with an exasperated expression. He had high cheekbones and a narrow jaw. In the low light of the barn, it seemed angular and sharp. Where are you going? I shrugged. 
anywhere but here. I want an adventure. He took a half step toward me. You can't just go anywhere. Where will you sleep? How will you keep safe? I patted my loot case, still strung across my back. I plan to travel from inn to inn and play as a bard. I hear they give the bard a free room and meal for attracting guests. He snorted and turned back to his wyvern. Go back to the house, Lady Teresa. The world is not as simple as you think. I glared at his back and huffed. Aren't you a charming prospective husband? I won't be ordered around. I pushed past him, knocking him out of the way, and climbed onto his wyvern. It wasn't too different from a horse now that the stirrups were in place. I slipped between the spines and gripped with my thighs. It was strange having scales beneath my legs instead of a normal saddle. His mouth fell open. Are you a complete idiot? Wyverns are dangerous. It's a miracle she hasn't bitten a chunk out of you yet. Behaving like this is going to get you killed. I'll fly you to the nearest village. But that's it. I adjusted my gloves. Better to be killed than marry a pompous boy who thinks he's better than everyone else and can order them around. Not to mention that he was too cowardly to attend a simple dinner. I bent to tighten the buckles around my legs. He shook his head as he untied the wyvern's rope from the ring on the wall. Spoken by the spoiled brat, who is so used to getting what she wants that she ignores everyone else's opinions and advice. He moved behind me as if to climb up too. That wasn't going to happen. I kicked my heels into the wyvern's scaled flanks and whipped the reins. The wyvern reared forward, pulling the rope from Lord Finnick's hands. The creature uttered a jarring screech that echoed within my ribcage and bolted forward. The wyvern moved completely differently to a horse. My body rocked and jolted as I tried to match its sinuous grace, the scales slippery beneath my thighs. Stop! Stop! You absolute fool! I grinned. The wyvern burst through the half-open door, scattering wood and splinters. I kicked it harder and flicked the reins. Fly! Up! Up! Fly! Go! Jump! I resorted to garbled commands and noises, trying to find the right one begging the wyvern to take off. It spread its wings, but didn't lift its feet. I leaned forward like I would for a horse about to jump. The wyvern rocked wildly to one side before wobbling to the air. It lurched to the other side, its claws sinking into a tree trunk and pushing us up higher and higher, spiraling and unsteady. I half screamed, half whooped as the diamond-studded night sky leveled out. I patted the wyvern's neck. Good girl, Primrose. I experimented with the reins, but she didn't turn with gentle pressure to the left or right, nor did she turn when I applied pressure with my heels. I had no idea how to steer her. I sat back. I supposed it didn't matter anyway. I didn't know where I was going, so I might as well let her pick. The night air was mild, but the wind still bit at my face and through my gloves. I realized why Lord Finnick had been wearing a scarf. As my nose became numb and my eyes started to water, I angled my face down and out of the wind, concentrating on the hazy shadows of trees and buildings below. No physical discomfort could calm my elation. I was free. I was trapped, upside down, above a pile of manure. It stank. I pulled myself up and tried to untie my ankles, but my stomach muscles burned, and I couldn't hold the position for more than a few seconds. Blood throbbed in my head and my feet had gone through the stage of burning pins and needles to numbness. I squinted up at the sky. It was close to dawn. Somebody had to come past soon and let me down. 
Surely all the townsmen wouldn't ignore me? Well, 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 who do we have here? I swiveled my arms so I rotated around the voice, my whole body swaying from side to side. Lord Finnick stood with his arms folded, his face shadowed from the torchlight by the deep cowl of his hood. I glared at him. Are you still determined to run away from me, or might you accept some help in this situation? I folded my arms, though I suspected the effect of it was negated by the fact I was hanging by my ankles. How did you find me? You stole my wyvern. Thankfully, Tilly was able to track your scent to this inn. Imagine my surprise to find you hung up out the back. He still sounded pretty annoyed. I narrowed my eyes. Who's Tilly? He pointed over his shoulder, and I made out the hulking shape of a second wyvern. Hmm. So because I stole your wyvern, that makes it all right for you to steal somebody else's? He scoffed. All the wyverns in Viven belong to my family. Well, good for you. If you could let me down, I will be on my way. But if you have so many wyvern, you might as well let me keep Primrose. He tilted his head. Where is she? I licked my lips. Um, I'm not sure. He sighed and drew a blade from his belt. My heart leapt to my throat as he approached, but he sliced through the rope at my feet, catching my weight before I fell headfirst into the manure. The world spun and the blood rushed from my head in a sickening lurch. I closed my eyes and waited for the dizziness to pass, Lord Finnick's hand remaining on my shoulder so I didn't fall. What happened? I forced a dry swallow. After I left my home yesterday, I flew here, or rather Primrose did. We went to the nearest inn, and I offered to play my lute. He arched an eyebrow. And? And they didn't like my songs. One of the men was horrid. He called me a wailing cat, so I emptied my ale over him. He and his friends got angry. They took my money pouch, my lute, and strung me up here. I'm worried they took Primrose, too. Lord Finnick muttered under his breath. Guilt wormed its way into my stomach. Sorry. I added. We need to get her back, now, before they sell her. I nodded, though the motion hurt my head. I agree. His voice quietened to a more resigned tone. Or she burns somebody's house down. Yes. Wait, she can do that? His face slackened in disbelief. Of course. She's a wyvern. They breathe fire. Yes, I know that. I just didn't think they would set a building on fire. He stared at me, and my cheeks heated. I pushed past him and strode down the street to the second wyvern to disrupt his thoughts. This one was smaller and had a green tint to the dark scales that ran down the top of her back. She made a soft clicking noise at me and raised her head, stretching her neck. A sudden thought struck me. Why did you not want to marry me? Despite knowing my reaction was hypocritical and unreasonable, annoyance and hurt flashed within me. He approached, eyeing me warily as if I were an unpredictable wild animal. The contract would have damaged my people. I stopped in my tracks in surprise. The contract? You mean the marriage terms? He nodded. You are aware of them, aren't you? I scuffed the toe of one boot. A bit. I marry you and you get a sizable dowry and access down a river? My father gets your family's support in negotiating something to do with the trade plus links to Vivini royalty. He was still looking at me in a very strange way. You sound like you don't care about the contract. My anger bristled. I don't. One, I don't want to see what my worth is in my parents' eyes and the world's. Two, 
I was never going to marry anyone, which includes you, so it was all irrelevant anyway. He blinked. Well, you realized one of my options to stop the agreement was to orchestrate you making a fool of yourself so you lost your reputation as a good match. I had thought it too harsh, but now I'm wondering if I should just leave you to do that all by yourself. No orchestration required. My anger burned hotter. Why don't you, then? He stiffened his jaw. You stole my wyvern, and I have an uncomfortable feeling you'll get yourself killed, or worse. I opened my mouth, but closed it again, turning to Tilly. How can she find Primrose? How did you track us down? Smell. He joined my side and reached out to stroke the wyvern down its neck. The creature stretched out in response, shaking its head as if to release built-up tension. Finnick let out a low, warbling whistle, and the wyvern made a clicking sound in return. Without any other command, it weaved forward down the street, its head low to the ground due to walking on the folds of its wings. Its long, wickedly spiked tail swung from side to side. I licked my lips. Shouldn't you be holding it on a leash or something? Finnick shrugged. It's not a dog or a horse. I'm amazed Primrose tolerated you enough to fly her. I think the only reason why Tilly hasn't bitten you was because I was close. I sighed, getting tired of his constant jibes. At least I wasn't married to him, or I would have to endure this forever. I rubbed my arms that were still tingling from hanging upside down and shivered as sensation returned. The kiss of early dawn air was still cool. The wyvern moved swiftly, weaving easily over the cobblestones, and we kept up at a brisk walk that was hard on my tired, tingling feet. I hoped I would find a way to get Primrose back, as well as my money and loot. I didn't fancy being left here with no mount. What exactly about the contract didn't you like? It sounded like your parents agreed with it. He raised a gloved hand to rub his lower face. It all looks good on paper, but it was negotiated by our chancellor, and I don't trust him at all. Why? And if you didn't like it, why didn't you ask them to change the contract? He hung his head. It's to do with the Damble River. Half of it runs in your country, Farvia, the other half in Vivin. It's a key trade route through the mountain range, since it's impossible to traverse the mountain path with heavy packs. Your country owns the river mouth into the sea and holds the rights to tax all goods that pass through the trading post, where goods are moved from river vessels to ocean-worthy ships. I glanced at him, not seeing the problem. His half-shadowed expression was serious and I had the lurching sensation that everything I was involved in was more complicated than I thought. So isn't it a good thing that you would have access to the river without being taxed if you married me? His lips twisted into a sour smile. It is, if trade was the only thing it affected. He sighed, his eyes never leaving the wyvern sniffing the air in front of each house. It looks like the perfect arrangement for us. Our profits would soar, we would no longer need to use so many wyverns for transport, but it would also greatly increase the traffic on the river. This is why I think the Chancellor chose it as a term. I blinked at him. Sure, he was still making no sense. Which is bad. Why? His dark eyes met mine. My stomach tumbled inside me at their intensity. Most of the wyverns nest in the mountain cliffs above the river when it is time for them to breed and lay their eggs. It is hard for predators to access, and a good environment for teaching the young to fly. His fists clenched. I've long suspected that the Chancellor has been stealing eggs from the nests, and selling them abroad for a small fortune 
by smuggling them disguised as other goods. This will be far easier for him if river traffic increases. He looked away, disgust twisting his face. Wyverns are protected by my family. They're not pets to be bought and sold. They are far more intelligent than horses or dogs. I snorted. Everyone said that about the animals they spent the most time with. Finnick gave me a sharp glance that showed he didn't appreciate the noise I'd just made. This is really serious. Wyverns require regular trips to the volcano in the center of Vivin to eat the algae there. Otherwise, they sicken after a year or two. We believe it has mineral properties that can't be replicated elsewhere. That's why they shouldn't be sold outside of our country. I also fear that if used irresponsibly, wyverns could be the cause of much destruction, wars, not to mention the damage done to individuals by incorrect handling. I looked at the ground for a moment. So, if the tax is removed, the boats will no longer be searched and recorded by Farvia for tax purposes? He'll be able to smuggle out much larger numbers of eggs in a greater number of boats. He gave a curt nod. Exactly. And you think that is the main reason he suggested our marriage, along with its terms, so he could get rich from wyvern eggs? His face became grim. Rich enough to fund a small army, I suspect. I fear what he plans to do with such money. My stomach sank as I imagined the worst. Uprising, coups, assassinations, trade embargoes for terms. My eyes widened. Have you told your parents? Your king? I tried. I knew I couldn't make accusations without proof, so I sent some of my men to follow the Chancellor's boats. The ones who returned reported nothing. The others disappeared. This happened for almost two years before one of my men stationed in Farvia was undocking one of the Vivini ships. He discovered an egg in a sack of grain. He stole it and rowed back as fast as he could to the capital, bringing it to me. Finnick lifted a fist to his chin. I thought I finally had him. I sent a servant to my parents so we could take the evidence to the king. But while we were waiting, the man started to have a seizure on my floor. He never woke up. Later, I discovered traces of poison in the grain sack. Anyone who went through it without the proper precautions would die. I shivered, and not from the cold this time. And the egg? Cracked when the man fell. He looked at me. Do you know what happens when a wyvern egg cracks? I shook my head. It combusts. My room caught on fire. There was a lot of damage. My parents didn't have enough evidence to go to the king, and they didn't completely believe it anyway. The chancellor holds too much power over them with his golden tongue. I chewed on my lip and thought, So what's the plan, then? We need to expose him. Not getting married will only delay his schemes so far. Lord Finnick's eyes widened a fraction at my response, before a slow smile spread across his face. I thought you wanted nothing to do with me. I shoved his arm with my shoulder. Well, do you want my help or not? He chuckled. Well, yes, actually. Though you must understand that the Chancellor may try to kill us once he knows what we're doing. I shrugged. Well, since you thought I would just get myself killed anyway, it might as well happen whilst I'm doing something useful. He barked a laugh. You realize most people would see a political marriage as being useful? I was under the impression you wanted to escape politics and live purely for yourself. I frowned, my fists clenching. I'm not my sister. That doesn't make me a selfish pig. Finnick watched me for a moment. No, you're not your sister. But you're not a bard, either. 
you're something else. I grinned, a trickle of excitement running through me. A hero who saves the wyverns and the whole of Vivin from an evil scheme sounds good to me. Finnick laughed, and the sound was genuine and rich, warming me from my toes to the tips of my ears. That sounds good to me, too. But if you don't want to get us both killed, we'll have to work together. That means you actually listen to me. I grunted. I would try. Tilly stopped outside of the house, making that clicking noise again. Finnick pulled his scarf up over his lower face. Primrose is in there. I frowned. Why the drama? Why the scarf and hood? He glanced at me in surprise. All wyvern riders wear this. It's cold up in the air. Also, I don't want anyone identifying me beyond that I'm somebody from Vivin. I ran away too, remember? And I have no wish to be found until the Chancellor is dealt with. I nodded. His explanation made sense. I pulled up my own hood. It felt right, even though the people inside had already seen my face when they had stolen her. Finnick crashed open the door without knocking. The men inside leapt to their feet. One was holding a bleeding hand while another dangled bandages. I have reports of a wyvern on your property. This is a violation of the law. All wyverns must be owned by a member of Vivin's royal family. Royal family? Oh, yes. Finnick's father was the cousin of the Vivini king. One man started to apologize, saying he didn't know, while a second puffed up his chest and folded his arms. Ain't no wyverns here, boy. Now get out, Vivini scum. A door behind him rattled violently, and I jumped. A staggered cry pierced the room from the other side. Behind us, filling the doorway, Tilly returned a lower, echoing sound. I started to edge around the wall. If I could just let Primrose out. The large man lunged at me. Before I could register what was happening, Finnick had flung back his cloak and leapt on the tall man's back, two knives in his hands. He did some sort of maneuver with his legs and elbow that sent the man flying to the ground. Finnick remained on his back. His knife was angled at the man's neck. I hid how impressed I was from my face. I really, really hoped he could teach me to do that. The room had frozen in shock, hands paused on weapons. I reached the back door, still rattling on its hinges, and flicked back the latch. No, be careful, started Finnick. Primrose burst free, her large body of leather skin and scales moving faster than I would have imagined. She lowered her head and hissed at the room's occupants, ignoring me. I patted her flank. Let's go. I ran for the door, and she followed. Finnick left last, muttering some sort of official-sounding nonsense. In the street, Tilly trilled in excitement, and the two wyverns pressed their long faces together in greeting. We took off between the houses at a run. Finnick kept pace easily beside me. He frowned at the wyvern. For somebody who's not even Vivini, Primrose is very friendly to you. She has bitten off strangers' hands before. My mouth opened in shock, and I almost stumbled on the uneven cobblestones. Really? Primrose literally bit their hands off? Why didn't you tell me that? I tried to he growled. I said she bit. Wyverns aren't generally friendly. Oh. I looked at Primrose as she ran beside me, so graceful it was as if she flowed. Well, I think we get along just fine. He snorted. Too bad you can't have her since you're not part of my family and have no wish to marry into it. He flashed me a wicked grin. I scoffed. You think that will stop me? His voice fell flat. You're not stealing her again. We slowed to a walk as we rounded a corner, and he studied me for a moment. What you did back there was reckless. 
Aren't you scared of anything? Nope. Except marriage? I scowled. I'm not scared of marriage. I just didn't want to get married to you. Thanks. He drew out the word, his tone so dry I almost backtracked. Almost. I rolled back my shoulders. So what's the plan to expose the Chancellor? A determined expression took over his face. We go to one of the ships ourselves with the wyvern. They can send out a sack with eggs in it. We take the eggs to the king and apologize for not going through with the marriage. You being there will probably help with that part. I frowned. I thought you said the sacks with the eggs are poisoned. He nodded. We can't open them. We'll let the wyverns carry them. Even if they split, wyverns are immune to most toxins. They can't have used one they're vulnerable to, or it would kill the egg. Once we return to the castle, the poison can be tested in front of the king. It will be the evidence we need. Excitement rushed through me, and a bounce entered my step. I turned to Primrose, whose harness was still in place, and she made no objections as I climbed on. Lead the way. This was what I had been made for. The wind tugged my hair out of my plate, and the cold bit at my cheeks and eyes, but I had never been happier. Primrose followed Finnick and Tilly through the endless skies without issue, and I spread my arms out, enjoying the flight, trusting the buckles up my legs to keep me in place. Dawn was breaking over the world below, splashing gold, rose, and bronze with wild abandon over the fields and forests. It was beautiful. The fields turned to hills, which swelled to mountains all around us, touched with snow at their peaks. We wove through the maze of slopes, the wyverns tipping to either side as they turned, and I lost sensation in my limbs as I desperately tried to cling onto Primrose. The wind buffeted me from all sides as it danced around the peaks. Below, the rocks looked sharp and merciless. Not long now, shouted Finnick from the front. I nodded and nestled my hands in my armpits, relying on my thighs and the straps to keep me in place. I could feel the cold in my very bones, my movements becoming increasingly sluggish. I wouldn't be able to hold on for much longer. The wyvern took a sharp turn between two jagged peaks, and I blinked through watering eyes at the sight of a river below us. The wyvern descended, circling lower and lower, the air growing a little warmer the closer we got to the water. The river was wide and long, narrow boats loaded with crates or sacks snaked down it every half a mile or so. The wyvern slowed, and Finnick flew level with me, pulling down his scarf so as not to muffle his voice. Can you imagine how many more boats there will be when there is no tax? The river is large enough for heavy traffic. It will be much easier for the smugglers. I nodded. How will we find one under the Chancellor's control? He grinned. Never underestimate a wyvern's sense of smell. We flew low until the wind from the wyvern's wings created choppy waves beneath us. Tilly circled the first boat, Primrose keeping close behind. Sailors pointed to us. A few shouted in question. A few waved. We ignored them. After a few minutes, Tilly stretched out her wings and rose higher, leading us to the next boat. Even over the wind, I could hear Finnick whistling to Tilly, and her chatters and clicks in response. It almost sounded as if they were talking to each other. I patted Primrose, where her glimmering scales met leather skin, and a purr vibrated under her scales. After we swooped close to four more narrow boats, Tilly let out a great, staggering cry and circled the next boat constantly. The men and women aboard didn't look too favorably at us. We flew higher, and Finnick pulled up beside me. Now for the diversion. This is my favorite part. I raised an eyebrow. Copy this call, 
he cupped his hands around his mouth and let out a whooping cry. Tilly and Primrose did their own versions, matching in pitch, but each with their own patterns. I shrugged and joined in, a thrill flooding my veins as the mountains seemed to swallow my cries and bounce them back until the whole world was singing an eerie tune. Then, the mountains sang back their own melody. Dozens of dark-winged shapes soared toward us, their bodies glinting pure black or with tints of red or green or blue, large and small, necks frilled or bare. I had never seen such a sight. You've called them from their nests? Finnick nodded. The cry is a warning that their young are in danger. Now we let them swamp the boat while we use the distraction to grab an egg. When the wyverns are close, they will all smell the smuggled eggs and their instincts will take over. I bit my lip. But won't they care that we are stealing an egg ourselves? He shook his head. Not when it's being held by Primrose or Tilly. I grinned. Let's do this. We swept downward toward the boat, the cloud of wyverns behind us, chattering and calling, though the beats of their wide wings were silent. The boat was as long as two townhouses, but narrow, only about five paces wide. It was perfect for an attack from the air. As we neared, the sailors started to panic, one even jumping overboard. I whooped as Primrose pulled out of her dive moments before colliding with the deck, and the burly occupants threw themselves out of our way. Sparks flashed from Tilly's mouth onto the deck. The sailors beat at them furiously with their coats as the reek of burning tar filled the air. We swooped over the cabin and turned in a steep circle. The sound of hollow thuds echoed as many wyverns landed on board the boat, long teeth bared. Some of the sailors drew knives. One had a bow and arrows. We swooped down on the deck a second time before pulling up. Not so high this time. As the sailors started to fight, I looked around for Finnick and saw that he and Tilly had landed on deck. Finnick had dismounted and was unbolting a trapdoor. I assumed to the cargo hold. I urged Primrose toward him, relieved when she understood, but the man with the bow leveled it at my partner. I screamed a warning. Finnick opened the trapdoor and straightened just as the bow twanged. The arrow thudded into his chest. I screamed again. He crumpled to the floor. Primrose landed beside him. I scrambled to untie the straps around my thighs and calves, slipping to the deck on wobbly legs and collapsing next to Finnick. His breathing was ragged. His hand clutched around the arrow, fingers already sticky with blood. No, no, no. Primrose shielded us while I wrapped Finnick's scarf around his shoulder and chest to add pressure to the wound and keep the arrow still. Tilly made a keening noise. Finnick grimaced. I'm surprised she's letting you near me while I'm injured. The words were breathy, barely audible. I hushed him. Tilly, find the egg! I gave her a meaningful look and wished I understood the whistles so I could communicate with her as well as Finnick did. He cried out as I dragged him to his feet and hauled him onto Primrose's back. With the spikes down her spine, I couldn't lie him down, but had to sit him up in front of me, a spike between us, while I hugged him under the arms to keep him upright. He was heavier than I expected, and less squishy. I tied the safety belt around his waist, but had to use the straps for my own legs or I would fall. Rats, he was heavy. I urged Primrose forward, and she staggered, struggling to get into the air. An arrow whipped past my head. I turned to see the archer knocked back by a wyvern, its teeth around his arm. Come on, come on! Primrose wobbled, then leapt over the side of the boat, her wings unfurling wide. 
She managed a low trajectory of flight, only a few feet away from the water. I gripped Finnick as tightly as I dared. He whistled a pathetic tune before slumping into unconsciousness. Primrose seemed to understand, however, and wheeled around, following the water upstream. I looked around. Tilly! I yelled. A chattering, clicking cry reached my ears in response. I searched among the chaos of wings and made out the dark green wyvern speeding toward us, much faster now that she didn't have Finnick on her back. In her feet, she clutched a closed sack. My relief was short-lived as I felt Finnick's shuddering breaths become more shallow beneath my arms. I stifled a sob. Please, let him survive this. Primrose took us to a castle of black stone on the edge of a mountain. It was beautiful and ominous all at once. She landed on a wide balcony, the stone wall surrounding it scoured by hundreds of wyvern claws. The shadows stretched long before us, rippling over black tiles that seemed to swallow the light. I pulled Finnick from the harness and screamed for help from the floor of the balcony. He was so pale, so cold. I had to watch his chest closely to check if he was even breathing. Tilly landed beside me and a loud, ugly shriek erupted from her. People burst through one of the doors, mostly servants by their matching livery, dressed in dark, flowing Vivini robes with wide, colorfully embroidered belts. They pulled Finnick from my arms and rushed him inside, shouting for a healer. I hung back, lost and out of place. Now that Finnick was in somebody else's hands, the tears threatened to break loose. I turned and buried my head in Primrose's flank. It was warm and smooth and comforting. To my surprise, she nestled her narrow muzzle into my armpit. What happened? I turned to see an older man approach. I gripped one of Primrose's spikes to steady myself as I pulled myself fully upright. Who are you? I'm Finnick's father, Lord Ragnald. I pointed to the sack in Tilly's talons. In there is a wyvern egg. We can't open the sack since it might be poisoned, though Finnick seemed to think the poison wouldn't affect the wyvern. He narrowed his eyes. Bring it, and we should discuss this away from prying eyes. I studied him. I couldn't see any traces of Finnick in his face or mannerisms. Something felt wrong. I licked my lips and shook my head. Take me to the king at once. I only trust him with this information. He shook his head. Impossible. Not just anyone can meet with the king. Well, I am Lady Teresa of Farvia, and I demand an audience. I could see him taking in my pale skin and brown hair, both clearly not Vivini. The man took another step forward, and Primrose hissed in warning. The man took a step back, his eyes widening. Impossible, he breathed. Her tail curved around between us, a clear show of protection. Tilly flanked my other side and let out another staggered, eerie cry. She called and called until more servants came to the balcony to see what was causing the commotion. I demand to see the king. I repeated the words over and over as more people arrived, the wyverns hissing. I shouted the words until my voice was hoarse, the man claiming to be Finnick's father trying to calm me down and placate me. The crowd fell silent. Here I am. The voice was deep and calm. A tall man in black robes walked through the door, his hands clasped behind his back. It is a very brave woman who dares to summon a king. He raised one perfectly sculpted eyebrow. His wavy hair and short beard were oiled, not a strand out of place. 
I didn't miss the man, who claimed to be Finnick's father, taking a step back, wearing a grim expression. I bowed. Forgive me, your majesty. I am new here. I don't know who I can trust, so I wanted to give my information to you alone. He frowned, running a thumb across his lips. Continue, and do speak openly. How is a foreigner here with two wyvern? How was Lord Finnick injured, and what is in that bag? I took a deep breath and told the whole story, only leaving out the bit where I was hung upside down over manure. Nobody needed to know that. I finished with a fumbling apology for not going through with the wedding. I knew the contract between our families would have been significant for both countries. The king frowned. Is this true, Chancellor? He turned to the man who had cornered me earlier. My heart beat fast. That had been a close one. I had almost gone with him, thinking he was Lord Ragnald. I glared at him. That man just tried to get me to come with him quietly away from prying eyes. He claimed to be Finnick's father. Mutterings broke out among the fast-growing crowd. The balcony couldn't fit any more newcomers, but the door was wide open, and I guessed they could hear inside, too. The Chancellor laughed. I did no such thing. This girl is full of lies. If she really is Lady Teresa, then she could be making this all up to avoid marrying Lord Finnick. The king walked up to the sack in Tilly's claws. I see it has your sigil stamp on it. It must have been from your ship. He turned to the Chancellor. Open it. The Chancellor paled. She said it was poisoned. They could have gotten sacks from my boats in all sorts of ways and tampered with them afterwards. The king raised an eyebrow, considering. He turned to Tilly, pointed at the sack, and whistled. At once, the wyvern attacked the sack with her claws, revealing a large purple egg nestled among dried rice. A foul, chemical smell wafted into the air. Jager, called the king, without looking around. A man with his hands hidden within his red robes stepped forward. Yes, sire. What is that smell? I suspect roundberry poison, sire. Deadly to all mammals. Please keep back. I can take it and test it at once. The king nodded. Do so. And I want wyvern riders to go to the river to find this boat and confirm Lady Teresa's story. He turned to the crowd, raising his voice. I want all of the boats searched on the river. Use wyverns to scent out eggs. The king turned back to the chancellor who is now very pale, a tremble in one of his hands. If you are telling the truth, you have nothing to fear, for there will be nothing to find. I watched as the red-robed man gathered up the remains of the sack, using a large cotton sheet, so as not to handle or overly disturb the contents. The king turned to me. You must be tired. Wyvern flying is hard work, even for somebody used to it. And you supported Lord Finnick. You should rest. I bowed my head. I wish to see him, if I may. I, I want to check that he will make a full recovery. A spark appeared in the king's eyes, which I couldn't identify. Go on, then. Grissa will lead you to him. Once you've finished, she will take you to a guest room. I gave Primrose one last pat and followed the smiling maid through the castle halls. My feet were so tired they ached, and waves of dizziness swept over me when I turned corners. When had I last eaten? Yesterday? But there would be time for all that soon. Once I knew Finnick was safe, I really needed him to be all right. I should probably write to my parents, too. They would be worried. 
not to mention angry that I had failed to turn up to my own wedding. The maid took me to a large, airy room where one wall was open to the evening sky. White gossamer curtains drifted in the breeze. In the quiet, away from the crowd and the wyvern, the sound of exotic birdsong and monkey calls washed over me. I had never left Farvia before. The very air tasted different, humid. A flicker of excitement awoke within me, but it was quickly squished when I saw my friend. Finnick was lying on clean sheets in a bed. The arrow had been removed and the wound bandaged. He still looked pale and his eyes were closed. A middle-aged woman was sitting by his side, holding his hand. She stood as I approached with a gentle smile curving her lips. You must be Teresa. Thank you for bringing my son back. He was always a little too foolhardy. I smiled at the woman, seeing her belly swollen in pregnancy. I had been told she was too frail to come to the wedding, and now I understood why. Not frail, just sensible. Is he going to recover? She bowed her head, worry clear in her eyes. Our healer is positive, though he needs close attention. He lost a lot of blood and there was plenty of time for infection to set in. I sat down on the other side of the bed and took Finnick's hand while his mother wandered back a few steps, pretending to arrange flowers. Finnick? I whispered. We did it. I gave the information to the king. He's launched a full investigation. The chancellor is cornered. We won. His eyes flickered open, his pupils wide. Now, now you can tell everyone that the wedding is off. He managed a weak smile. I squeezed his hand. It was so good to see him awake, that pressure built behind my eyes. I forced a smile instead. I can. And since Primrose likes me, I've decided to just take off with her while you're still too weak to travel and track me down. He laughed but broke off abruptly with a wince. Don't make me laugh. It tugs the stitches. Maybe I was being serious. I couldn't hold back my smile, however. I squeezed his hand again, relief making me never want to let it go. He didn't speak for a moment, and I wondered if he was slipping back to unconsciousness. Then, he dragged in a shuddering breath, his eyes barely open. Would you like to stay in Vivin for a while? If your parents agree, of course. He paused to wince and study his breaths. I mean, you've already made the journey and the wyverns are held in great esteem here. Many will be grateful to you for saving their eggs. Not to mention, you have a remarkable natural affinity with them. To be liked by wyverns immediately is rare. I wound a strand of hair around my finger. At least half of it had escaped the braid, and I dreaded to think what I had looked like while meeting the king. Maybe I could be persuaded. He opened his eyes fully and raised an eyebrow. You could fly Primrose while you're here, and I'll be stuck in bed so I can't annoy you. I grinned. But I can come and annoy you whenever I wish, since you have no escape. He groaned. On second thought, maybe you should go back to Farvia. Nah, they will only try to marry me off to somebody else. He licked his lips. You'll stay then, at least for now. You can ask to train with the Wyvern Master if you wish. The king can hardly refuse you after what you have done. I imagined myself in a heavy black cloak, my face half-covered with a scarf, knives at my belt, and wyverns snarling at my side, obeying every whistle from my mouth. 
Now that was a future I could cope with. I squeezed Finnick's hand. I'll stay. I hope you enjoyed listening to Hero of the Wyverns by Alice Avinia, narrated by Corinne Norton. If you want to read more by Alice, go to aliceavinia.com to find more of her books. This particular story is part of an anthology called Enchanted Forests, and all the proceeds go to the World Lands Trust Wildfire Appeal. I'll have a link to purchase it in the show notes. Don't forget about this month's giveaway, which includes a paperback copy of Feathers of Snow by Alice Avinia, which is a goose girl retelling and the first in her Kingdom of Birds and Beasts series. Go to findingfantasyreads.com giveaway to enter today. I have been so grateful to hear from all of you, whether by email or in reviews. I was excited about this podcast, but I never dreamed that so many other people would get excited about it too. I especially want to thank Hank Mom for their kind review. They said, love the narration and concept. I've really enjoyed this podcast and keep coming back for more. I love audiobooks and Corinne is a great narrator. I love that she's not only introducing us to new authors, but that she's bringing their short stories alive with narration. I so appreciate her commitment to clean reads. I have a child with special needs and prefer to listen to PG stories when we're in the car. Hearing things like that makes my day, and it makes me eager to keep putting out more episodes for all of you. So please keep the reviews coming. If you missed any of the links for Alice's books or the giveaway, those will be in the show notes. Thank you all for listening, and happy reading.